G'day! Welcome to On Minis Games. G'day and welcome to this episode of On Minis Games. My name's Charles Pritchard. My name's Quentin Sung. And we're here to talk about uh, all things to do with miniature gaming. In this episode, um, we've decided to take a trip down memory lane for me. And a trip down the current for me. So uh, this episode, we're talking about our five mo- uh, our five favourite games. Um, and we've, we've deliberately skewed this. So my, my five are all tinged with nostalgia. I'll be looking back at, you know, through the mists of time with rose tinted goggles and, and reminiscing on fond memories of glory's past. Whereas you've got a different focus. I'm going to be looking at my top five games of the current. So the ones that we're looking at, we play now or yep. in my list soon to play. Um, <laughs> that I just, Love the idea, the theme, and their rule set and the yeah. way they play. Yeah, cool. So, um, well, let's get let's get talking about it. So, these are our these are our our favourite games. Do you want to do you want to kick off? Or do, do we want to kick off? I don't mind. We, one for one. One so for one. Yeah, one for one. one. Okay, oh, I can I can kick off so much. Do you want to start with 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 the five and, and work backwards to our top one? We can do that. Yep, right, that sounds that. good. All right. So my my fifth my favourite game I haven't actually played yet um i and this it may sound a bit bragging i I tend to read rules and i can get a really good feel for a game Mm -hmm. um part of it means that i tend to be it makes it a bit easier for me to to rules write and and also to do stats for things because i can look at something and go well that rule the way they all interact looks Mm -hmm. really really good so my fifth most favorite game and the one i'm going to look forward to is heavy gear Mm -hmm. um the rule set is really elegant i love how that you have an action point to spend, yeah, um, and which will allow you to shoot or do a skill, and you can choose to spend that to either do it to shoot at something or to actually react to someone shooting at you. Mm. Um, I love the way that you don't need line of sight; you can interact. That feel of realism, mm. but also the streamlined play style. The 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 fluff and the universe behind it really appeals to me. There is that real world feel. Yeah, there's still Earth. The way that it, they all interact with each other. Um, the miniatures are just phenomenal. Mm. Um, they're plastic. They're uh, they're modular. They're a little bit poseable. Um, the stuff that's been being posted up just looks awesome. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's just going to become one of my staples. Yeah. In the very near future, not only because we've both bought into the Kickstarter quite heavily. <laughs> Mildly heavily. Mildly. Mildly. No, just a touch. A little bit. Just a little bit. Sort of snowballed over a couple of days. <laughs> um, it, happened, it happened quickly, man. It happened so fast. Anyway. Um, but I think that, and it, it, it will be, and also the fact that it's not a my turn, mm. move all my models, your turn, move all your models. There is yeah. that back and forth and the reaction. And as it. you said, I think that, that whole aspect of being able to react to your opponent like you know your opponent's doing something you can say well hang on a second you know i'm gonna do something back i'm gonna shoot back or i'm gonna do a skill back and i think you'll find for both of us in terms of um for me in this this episode with my current games 
that's a theme that features quite heavily for us. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that's just because of the way we both enjoy our war games mm. or whether we enjoy that extra complexity because of it. I tend to find that he goes, you go, you go, sorry, you go, I go, simplifies movement a lot because you only have to, you still got to think in your opponent's turn, mm. watch what they're doing, but you're not as actively involved. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I like the, also the, the, Points in the list building looks really good. Yeah. Um, it looks like a fairly balanced form of list building. There are restrictions on it. You can only take certain models to build your units. Yeah. And but there is still flexibility there's in that. There's quite a lot of custom custom there customization, is, yeah. isn't there? There's a lot of customization in it, but there's still restrictions within that customization, and, which and makes I, it nice. And I think it works because you know this is with, with this heavy gear by DreamPod Nine. It was a role playing game uh, that was originally when the role playing game first came out. It had the miniatures game rules in yeah. there. It was released as a tactical set of rules as well on its own. They had a miniatures line. It's been around for a long time. Yep. Um, and they've just, just finished Kickstarter at the end of last yeah, year that, that, that are just starting to – they're starting now to, to get the models out yep, of models they are, and, yeah. and shipping them soon. Um, uh, but the – I don't even know where I was going with this. What did we start with? I think you've got – I can get a feeling that you're probably going one, – one direction is, is that um, DreamPod 9 has been around for a while. Mm. They've got a lot of experience both in role-playing and, and their own miniatures game. Yeah. But also the way they've developed this rule set is a lot of community involvement. So it was alpha tested with a, a large group of people. Now it's been an open beta test for quite a while. And, and that feedback is really important because it means that in changing the rules, you, you've got a lot of testers to mm. pick up all those problems. And as a as a, a balancer, having more people test and give me feedback is a huge advantage. Oh, for sure. To balance because I can't... Well, I can figure out a lot of things. I can't figure out everything. No, People, there are th- some things you miss or some, yeah. some particular combination someone might spot, you yep. know. And in, in having that feedback, I think, and inviting that, they're able to build a more robust rule yep. set. And also, in the other side is their customization to make their customization more balanced. Mm. And it means that while balancing isn't, you know, the, balancing alone doesn't make a game great. Mm. It does make a game more enjoyable, I think. Oh, for, absolutely, for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you, you can you can have a game that, that's unbalanced, and that's fine. Yes. Um, you know, as long as everybody understands going in what, what the situation is, yes. if you're playing a scenario and it might yep. be balanced one way heavily uh, against the other, that's fine. Um, but to play a game, you know, to, to, to have a game that you take down the club with, you get your managers yep. out and every time you put them on the table, you know that you're going to not, not fare as well as somebody else because they've got all the shinies. Yep. Then, then it's not an enjoyable yep. experience. Yeah. Very true. I know where I was going with it before. I do. <laughs> the customization, that, that, that level of uh, minutia, that level of detail or crunch as sometimes it's referred to in heavy gear is possible because it's not, you, you don't have, um, you know, 30, 40 minutes. No, on you the don't. Table. You don't. You're looking at a generally somewhere between the smaller end five and you're looking at the bigger end 10 to 15 mm. um, gears on the table and then you obviously depending on infantry and things like that but the gears of what everyone what, is getting what, into what's what the game is about yeah. giant robots why would you not <laughs> um, the customization is, is easier yeah it makes the game more accessible and also with their new models on the sprues they've got this customization there which mm. makes it so easy to get into you, yeah. you pick it up and there's the, all the weapons you need and you can pick and choose it's great. I think it's it's going to turn out to be one of those um, great games. I, well, I hope it does. Um, 
and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's, I... it's a post every every second day when it comes to the Kickstarter up on the game, the oh, gaming club Facebook. Yeah, check it too often. Um, looking for updates. The it, it looks really phenomenal. So that's your number you number know, five. It's heavy Gear by heavy Dream Gear. Nine. Um, well worth checking out. Their start their, the starter set is what they've kickstarted, yes. and it should be available. It, it's going to be shipping soon. The Kickstarter and it yeah, should it be is. available in stores after that. Yeah, yeah. I think they're looking at. Late this year, early yeah. next year, to be available on their online store. That said, you can still get all their um, all their older metal miniatures that yeah. they're still producing, and the rules are available for free. You yep. can get them from DriveThroughRPG.com. So yep. jump on and download them and have a look at them. They're yeah. great rules. Awesome. All right. Well, my number five. Now, as I said, your list is focusing on the here and now. One of the games that we're either going to soon be playing a lot of, or that we are playing a lot of. Um, my list is is tinged by nostalgia. So looking back, you know, through the the rose tinted goggles and the mists of time, mists of time. Um, my number five is going to be Warhammer Quest. Now I couldn't. Uh, it was sort of a close run between Warhammer Quest and Necromunda. Both of them very similar in some ways. Yep. It, it, with that sort of advancement of your character or a Necromunda yep. gang. So Warhammer Quest is by Games Workshop. Uh, it was a it was an old dungeon now, crawl. Just to clarify, this is the definitely the old version this of Warhammer is not Quest. The Silver Tower, not the not, Silver not Tower, the new version of Warhammer Quest. This is not the Age of Sigma. Oh, don't be like that! Don't <laughs> joking, be like that! Not not the not the new version of Warhammer Quest, the old version. Yes. Um, but it was a it was a dungeon crawl. So you had your band of merry heroes who would go into the dungeon. There was a game master who would run the dungeon. You could also run it without the game master. Yep. Um, and uh, and basically you would go looking, you know, doing your scenarios, um, finding the treasure, fighting the big bad guy at the yep. end of it. You know, fighting orcs and goblins or giant spiders or hordes of rats or whatever on the way. Yep. Um, it was a huge amount of fun, you know, yep. that, that whole dungeon crawl genre, you know, we talked about in that first episode how so many of us got into miniatures gaming from Hero Quest. Warhammer Quest was the, the grown up version of Heroes Quest, yep. you know, the rule set was different. What, what was so brilliant about Warhammer Quest and what has never really, even to today, there, there are so many dungeon crawls out there and, and so many brilliant ones. You know, I'm thinking something like Mice and Mystics, for example, is a, is a great example of a new dungeon crawl. It's a phenomenal game. But what none of these games manage to sort of capture or emulate is that out of game experience, you've got your guys wandering around on the map. Yep. Um, but then, you pack the miniatures away and you've got this whole phase of what happens when you get back into town yep. and you get into a brawl in the inn yep. and, you know, all this stuff that happens. Advancement yeah, and that advancement. Yeah, the character yep. advancement, that whole thing. You've got this character. It, it's that semi-role-playing game. Yep. You've got this game within a game that happens, you know, it happens outside the dungeon that was engaging, it was detailed, it was gritty, it was story-laden, it was just fantastic. So... I've got a lot of really f- fond memories of playing. I think I played a Chaos Knight was my favourite well, character. Well, that would definitely be lending it towards some interesting stories, I'm sure. It was, it was fantastic. So 
I had a lot of fond memories of playing Warhammer Quest. Um, yeah, really phenomenal game. Um, I haven't looked at the new... I looked briefly at the new one yep. and, and wondered about whether the, I'd be interested in buying it. Um, but I've got to be honest, if I'm going to buy a dungeon crawl now, it's something that I want to be able to play with my kids as well. Yep. I think that I would tend now to look at the Mantic spin-off what was the what was the the mantic um dungeon crawl called i haven't seen the dungeon crawl yeah, i know they did yeah. dead zone dead zone they Not, had a dungeon crawl version of that uh, i can't remember now i'll have to have a look at it i have when i played warhammer quest many years ago and i played a um a troll slayer yep of which, course of course i had my warhammer army was a dwarf army so of yep. course we played troll slayer um i think yeah it was that was one of the enjoyable parts is that you had that part at the end and you kept your character going forward and moving forward and you developed them and you you, you became very attached to that character yeah, yeah. well it was it was, a, it was yeah. a re- as as dungeon crawls are a board game um you know version of something like dungeons and dragons yeah. you know that you know i know don and eric talked about a lot of dungeon dungeons and dragons parties being murder hobos you know, <laughs> go through the dungeons slaughtering people and going through their pockets for yeah. stuff that's what the dungeon crawl is all about, yeah. you know. It boils yeah. the the basics, boils it right down to the basics. But Warhammer Quest managed to capture so much of that story flavor and so much of the world. You know, the yeah. Warhammer world was much, yeah. dark and gritty and and really interesting. So, um, yeah, I really got a lot of fond memories. Now the Mantic version is called Dungeon Saga. Okay. Um, Dwarf, I've heard, actually, no, I have Dwarf heard King's of that. Quest, yeah. yeah. So um, I looked at the new version of Warhammer Quest. It's called Warhammer Quest Silver Tower. It's their new um, Age of Sigma yep. setting. There's that whole chaos demon yeah. sort of thing. And and I've got to be honest, I, I like with my with the fantasy, I'm not uh, anything to do with demons and things like yep. that. It just, just doesn't do it for me. I mean, yep. doesn't, I've got no objection to it. I've got no issue with it. But More the just, aesthetics not, yeah, doesn't appeal doesn't, to me. Yeah, it just doesn't appeal to me. So I like that whole orcs and goblins, well, yep. um, which is what the original quest was. Yeah. And Spiders so, and, yeah, and yeah. trolls and stuff like that, yeah. So I really enjoy that. I, I but, but, yeah, a lot of really fond memories of, um, of Warhammer Quest. So that's my number five anyway. Awesome. Shall we move on? We shall. All right. So number four for me. So my, again, current, and, and this is one I... Again, this is probably bad of me. Haven't actually played yet. Um, <laughs> it's one it's, that where you, you've invested. Oh, I've, I've invested. Um, yeah. I was actually looking at playing um, in a tournament of this um, recently uh, in a town about an hour and a quarter away from me. Unfortunately, the tournament got cancelled, um, which was probably a good thing because it turned out if I'd played in it, the first game I've ever played in this game would have been the first game of the tournament. Yeah, which is usually not the ideal way to go into tournament, but hey, it would have been fun, I'm sure. Um, my number four is Kings of War. Kings of War, yeah. Kings of War. So I used to be... This is by, not to by, interrupt you, by yeah, Mantic Games. By Mantic Games. Yeah. Um, so I used to be a Warhammer player. Um, mm. I had an awesome dwarf army. Um, it wasn't painted though. Partially painted. Mm. But it was an awesome dwarf army. Um, when they uh, moved to Age of Sigma, mm. um, I had a look at the rules. Um, for me, a fantasy game is about big blocks of in- infantry and the yeah. manoeuvre, um, which I loved about Warhammer. I'd never actually looked at Kings of War before. Um, so with Age of Sigma going to uh, individual units, it's, it really didn't appeal to what I wanted in a in a, in a fantasy game. And we sort of had Song of Blades and Heroes we as did, well, which yeah. is a smaller scale. And that, that gives you that, game, that, yeah. that individual movement. So um, 
I started looking elsewhere just to get an idea of what I could do. And there's some guys in a club, a club at the same place where the tournament was going to be who mm. play Kings of War and they put us onto it. So I had a look and I fell in love with the rule set. And the main reason I fell in love with the rule set in looking at it, so you have all your different units, there's different varying, there's elite units, there's weak units. But the core mechanic of the game is based around the idea that if you get two big units charge each other that are average, they'll just sit there and grind away at each other for two, three turns and mm. they'll... Eventually, one will break, but the really important part is the flank and the rear charge, which Warhammer had. Mm. It's even more important in Kings of War. If you flank charge, I think it's double the number of dice you roll. If you rear charge, it's four times the number of dice. Now, it brings in the element that suddenly maneuver becomes so important in the game. So, even the weakest or a weak little unit of, I don't know, um, you know, a, a little block of goblins or whatever, if it gets a rear charge on an elite unit of knights, mm. you end up rolling so many dice that... You have to do some wounds, and if it's a small unit of knights or a medium unit of knights, they're going to break, mm. and they're going to die. I love that idea, because then what it turns the game into is, yes, you'll build your list, and you'll include a good balance, and it might be a great built list, but if you don't have a good tactical knowledge and a good feeling of how to use your force, you'll still get rolled, mm. because you can't maneuver. And I love that it brings the game back to how you use your army, yeah. rather than how you build it. Yeah. I find there's some games around, and I won't name any because there's varying types, where it's basically about how you build your army. If yeah. you build it the right way, you will roll everybody. Mm. But yeah, this- it's almost become procedural. Yes. You know, you sort of yeah. Step one, I've got to do X, then yeah. Y, then Z, and then yeah. I win. Yeah, and then what happens is it's suddenly not about the skill of the player. It's about the skill of the player to learn a series of manoeuvres. Mm. Whereas this brings it back to... You've got to react to your enemy and be able to position and maneuver your units appropriately on the table, which is, mm. I think, is fantastic. I really looking for. I really think is an elegant part of it. The, other than like, and when you bring the rules back, they're relatively simple rules. Mm. Um, simple stat lines, which makes the game a little bit more free flowing. I love the fact that you don't have to take models off the board. Yeah. Um, which. Uh, it's at one by one by one, you know, you're pulling a, yeah. pulling a unit of, you know, 40 things apart yeah. one at a time. As and if you ever played Goblins, like, you're just <laughs> tearing your hair out as you're dragging all these models off the board yeah. or undead as I played. It's just a nightmare. You leave them all on the board and basically the, the units just take wounds until, and they still fight at full effectiveness mm. until they basically either break and retreat or they die, mm. which, again, simplifies the game. It means that you don't have to, drag models off the table, just use dice or whatever to keep track of it, makes the game simpler again. I think it's... I'm really looking forward to playing it. I love the rule set. Yeah, that's my number four. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it as well. I haven't got my um, my miniatures yet. What is it? The, the Forces of Nature. Forces of Nature I'm going to go for with the Salamanders. So I think... Um, my son will absolutely love the salamanders. So I yep. like the centaur, the centaurs, and the, the salamanders. So really, well, it fits your your ideal of your with your fantasy setting, orcs, goblins, all That's that right. kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, so. yeah. No, love it. Um, all right, my number four is a game that um, that I I don't probably think many people in the world actually ended up ever playing, but it was a game... I've, I've never played it either. I've never it, heard of it. It was basically Aliens, the game. Yeah. Um, awesome. Except because they were nev- they never had the IP, okay. it's not Aliens the game. Yep. It was Cryomech the game, <laughs> um, but the premise was essentially exactly the same. You had the sort of slavering terrors, which were you know um, like the like aliens. Yep. They were horrible in close combat. 
Um, some of them had some, you know, acid sprays yep. and, and ranged weapons, but by and large, the aliens were these sort of slavering um, animals that were hell-bent on the destruction of, of humankind. Yep. You had also then you had the the humanity and, and humanity was splintering and there were, you know, uh, there, there was all of these different factions. The models were pretty good. Yep. Um, I managed to get a whole bunch on special because nobody else in all the world played the game. <laughs> But the rules were brilliant. I, I, yeah. I, they were based on a, a set of a set of rules. I think called um, Star Grunt, yep, um, uh, or Dirt Side. I can't remember which. I think Star Grunt was the twenty eight mil version. Um, but it was it was just a lot of fun. Um, I couldn't even tell you many of the the rules mechanics yep. now, but. It you just was, remember it, it being just, fun. I just remember it being a hell of a lot of fun. I remember setting up, you know, mum and dad's kitchen table with a with an old electric train set with the train moving around the board, <laughs> right, like bowls under the green cloth. Yeah, you know, I used to yeah, use the hills to, back yeah. in the day. Um, you know, and I had a whole a heap of these miniatures, and it was just a huge amount of fun. And it was hugely customizable. You could build your units any way you wanted to. Any weapons you wanted yep. to. There were vehicles. There were mechs. It was just unbelievable. There were so many choices. It, it was just a whole lot of fun. Um, I, I don't think the game is produced anymore. I don't even know who the the company was that produced it. To be quite honest, but it was such a um, such a phenomenal game and so much. We had so many games and so many stories that we um, that we told through it. Um, as I said, it was basically Aliens, yep. the game. But, um, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal fun. It was by a company called Fantasy Forge. There you go. Um, uh, but, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot yep. of fun back in the day. So, uh, so yeah, that was that – was, that's my number four. Awesome. I can't say too much about it except that it was – It was fun. All nostalgia. <laughs> that's, that's well, that's that. the point of your list at the that's moment, the isn't it? That's the point of my list. point of your list. Can I go back to – Kings of War just mm-hmm. for a second. The other thing I love about <laughs> Kings of War, no, the other, yep. and this is this is this is going to come back, I think, for both of us. Yeah, because we both have families. Mm. Um, we obviously don't have unlimited funds to spend. Mm. Kings of War, they don't care what miniatures you use, as long as it's a close, approximate yeah. representation to whatever the model should be, and you have enough of them on the base to represent the number. And there's actually rules for that. Mm. They don't care. You can bring, you can go and buy the cheapest models you want mm. and throw them on a on a thing. You could. Use really small models if you wanted to and adjust the, the measurements and yeah. the rules. I love that because it means that it's so much more accessible. Mm. You don't have to buy Mantic models. Mm. And Mantic make a huge range and some of them are awesome. Some of them are, uh, you know, the molds yeah. are a bit, uh, a bit hard, to, a bit not that great. They're reasonably priced. Mm. But it, you can, if you've got some old, you know, if, like a lot of people found when they brought out, um, Age of Sigma and people wanted that maneuver, uh, maneuvering game with the big mm. box of industry, they went to Kings of War. You could use Warhammer uh, for um, Games Workshop models. No one cared. Mm. As long as it's close and your opponent knows, well, that great. Was, that was, you know, Mantic's um, existence really was as a, as an alternative yeah. miniature supplier to Games Workshop. And so yeah. a lot of their miniatures lines uh, match up to the sort of yeah. forces that you'll find in Warhammer and um, yeah. in 40K as well. So I think, yeah, just it, I like how it makes it more accessible. Mm. Um and also, it means it means that you know more people can play it, so you, you're not restricted. Yeah, which is nice. So, sorry, moving on. Kings of War done. Done. Primac done. Now number three. So number my number three for my current list of games I'm loving is mm-hmm. a game you introduced me to, Giles. Yep. 
which you're not having great luck with at the I'm moment. Your your Yarl is <laughs> not doing so well. He's, he's actually dead. He's useless. He's, yeah. Well, he's dead now. He's so, dead, yeah. Um, is Dux Britanniarum. Yeah, this um, is by Two Fat Lardies. Yep, and it's... Um, you showed me this... I think you, you, you showed me the rule book a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yep, and I had to read through and... Initially, I've, I've had a quick read through, and as you do with a busy life, you read through and you, you move on. Um, and we never, we sort of never quite we met up to play. To. Yeah. And then one one night we played it, and and we had in Ducks Britannia, you basically have the the lists are set. Mm. Um, you but choose you got, which you side. Got, you've got your unit of elites. You've got your unit of regulars and yep. your other unit of regulars. You might have some militia. You've got some, you know, yep. s- some skirmishes, yeah. and then you've got. Three characters, so your lord and two heroes, mm. um, and they're they're all set. So you, you have one side who's um, the Romano British, and yep. there can be varying fa- two varying factions in there. And you've got generally in the core one, you've got another side who's the, um, the Saxons. invading Saxons, yep. and the lists are all set. And basically, you just what you have to do is create your lords, and it's almost role playing ish. It, it would is, and that's this is what I love about it is that. You be- again, you become attached to your, yeah. your characters. Um, Giles became less attached to his yard because he was character, useless. Uh, I your lord to despise my lord. Yeah. Well, I killed him in the last game, so that's okay. <laughs> so he's, um, we managed to get rid of him. You you build your characters and they kept, you roll up traits and you roll mm. up um, abilities for them and you name them and, and you suddenly become attached to them and it means that you, you're more invested in the game and you, you want to see where it goes because all your battles affect your lord's progression and he can end up being the king of the land through the progression table well it's it's a fascinating game because it's you, you normally with a miniatures game you've got your, your set of rules which govern how the miniatures operate and interact yeah. on the table Dark's Brit is a different beast because yeah. it's almost a campaign game yep with the miniatures game bolted onto it. It is. And so you've got the miniatures game, which is a bit hard and fast, and, you know, we'll talk about that in a second, but the campaign game where you've got your lords to start with and you start doing a few little raids yeah. and then eventually, if your Saxon's any good, they get a toehold <laughs> in the territory and, you know... And you hope can, maybe take over. Yeah, you can, but you can, you can gain land and lose yep. land. You can build churches and forts and other things and... You've got money, which you know, yep. which is all really easy to keep track of as well. It's all quite elegant in the way it's it's, it's nothing like there's no amounts of money. It's mm. all a it's a set name for you know that you've it's got a scale. A, yeah, you can go up and down the scale. And so there's no no real close keeping track of things. Mm. So there's not that much bookkeeping that it becomes a chore. But you feel attached, and and you can continue playing against each other as the Saxons try to invade what was then or what is now England mm. and as the the Romano British try to vainly defend fend them off. In terms of the 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 actual war game or the miniatures game rules, they're very, very simple. Mm. Um, they interact relatively simply. And it's common sense for yeah, there are is. some areas in it where we were looking through and we, we had questions during our games. Yeah. Well, I think we, you know, when we, we use common sense to rule them at the time, I looked up on the forums afterwards yep. and, and pretty much every time we made a common sense ruling, we were on the money. Yeah. So. so movements, um, done by a number of dice, you, you can elect to roll between one and three dice. And this, uh, that, that's another thing I really like. I like the fact the movement, like normally you've got your, you know, my, my, uh, infantry are going to move forward and they're going to move forward their four inches. Yep. My cavalry are fast. They're going to move forward eight inches. I really like the fact that you roll dice for the movement. 
Well, you didn't the last game because your yarl just ran away no, really well. well. He did awesome. He 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 ran like a champion. <laughs> he <laughs> did quick as lightning. Yeah, but um, but I I really like that idea because that you, randomness. You, you you know you you. you Give the order the charge, but you're not quite sure they're going to make yeah. it. They're not going to make it, you know. Yep. Um, and I listened to um, to Rich, who's the 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 rules writer and the, the owner of Two Fat Lardies, talk about it. And he yep. said, you know, you know, the the whole design concept there is that you never know. Yep. You know, the ground might be a bit rougher. The men might not have their heart quite yep. in it. You know, or they might be, you know, really zealous and really eager to get into the the fray and so on. So. I really like that. It's there's a, there's an element of uncertainty about everything. Well, I think it, it comes into the last the two games that we've played so far, mm. um, which Giles has unfortunately been tonked in. Uh, bars. Yeah, his initial roles they were both raids. He had to both mm. of them. He had to raid a building or a church. Yeah, and what he did is, is part of the scenario is he got to advance a certain point. Fast. I pretty much had my yeah. guys halfway up the board and raiding well, the church before yeah, your guys. Yeah, both times the, he, he got the best the roll board. he could and he had his guys right there ready to raid mm. and he still lost both games. So that, that mm. element of you never know what you go, what's going to happen yeah. or what's going to come on. The I other, think we, we learned a few things out of it did, too yeah. in terms of where to position things and, and you know, even stuff that, that isn't, you know, like the size of the buildings that they, yeah. you know, and stuff. So... It was, it was interesting, yeah. I, I my, my guys did appallingly in combat. They did sadly, but um, I think the other thing I really love about it too is is the activation mechanics. Mm. So there's a deck of cards because the the forces are generally set. Mm. There's actually a generic set of cards, and you shuffle them, and so the each card has either a lord or a hero or a unit on it, and they basically get drawn out. So, that, so it's a lord or a hero, isn't it? Yeah. Or the skirmisher. So what then happens is whichever card is drawn, that's the unit that gets activated. And so lords and heroes can give orders to units. Orders yeah. don't generally move on the Units don't generally move on their own. So your lords and heroes become really important in supporting mm. and getting your troops to maneuver where you want them. It's the, the command and control system. Yeah. Because, because as you said, you know, you might pull the top card might say, um, you know, Romano-British hero one or whatever it yeah. might be. And so your hero one, you know, whatever his name is, you know, um, might then use his orders to order this unit to move up, that unit then to, to charge or yep. to, you know, whatever it might be. So there, there you've got that, that's, that's really how you operate your army yeah. is by activating your commanders. Yep. And they tell everyone what to do. I think that's, it's a really interesting system. Mm. Um, I enjoy that. And it means that you never know quite who's going to activate. Yeah. Um, which sort of simply represents that flow of battle that you're never quite sure who has yeah. the initiative. And you might get you might get a flow where you know suddenly everything's going one way and then suddenly it swings back and yep. But it never feels yeah. And you've got to plan for it though. You've got you to, do, yeah. You've got to be aware that that's going to happen. You can't put yourself in a in a really yep. precarious situation because it could turn very easily. It could, yeah. So that was my, that's my four. I love it. and I also love the fact that you can use any models. Yeah. You can use 28 mil, 28 mil models. Mm. Um, you can use 15 mil models. You can use 10 mil models. Yeah. There's no actual restriction on the size of the models you use, um, which, again, makes the game very accessible. Uh, well, this is Two Fat Lardies um, are a rule-producing company. Yep. They, they make rules. That's what they do. They don't produce miniatures. Um, they've got a – I think they, they sell – Packs with um, that are that are done by Gripping Beast, yes. the, the miniatures, which are twenty eight mil scale. Um, we've been playing in ten mil, and um, we 
got the ten mil from a company called Pendraken, yep. um, which is in the UK. They make beautiful little ten mil figures. Yeah, they're very nice. Um, so yeah, but it, it works perfectly fine um, yep. with the ten mil figures. We've got no worries. With no, them. it's great, and it's it's relatively quick. It's mm. one of the games we go to when we don't have a lot of time for a war game or a miniatures game, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, and every game's a story. It is. Yeah, it is. Love it. You need to get back to the table, actually. We do. It does. <laughs> it has to come back very, very soon. All right, so that's your number three. That's my number three. All right, my number three is a, um, a space fighter, spaceship combat game um, called Full Thrust. Have you ever, ever played Full Thrust? Many, many years ago. Yeah. And it's been a long time since I've even looked or seen a Full Thrust rule book. Oh, wow. I've actually got one printed out and bound. <laughs> Um, because it's no longer produced, but you can no. get it online. Um, but it is a fantastic set of rules. And it, it was a very simple set of space combat rules. You had your cruisers and your frigates and your battleships. You could, you could build them. You had your simple turrets, your A, B, and C, and yep. you know, they're, they're more or less powerful. Uh, damage and various onboard systems that could be damaged as well. Very simple set of rules. But, the key to the game was the the sort of vector movement, yeah, I the remember momentum. This. Um, you know that 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 in space, if you want to break, you must apply thrust in the opposite direction. Yeah, I remember this. So you would write down your orders on. So you've got your all your various ships. You'd write down what thrust you're applying, given the engine's thrust. You know, you might have a thrust of six. How you're applying that. You would have to, if you wanted to slow down, you'd have to counter your movement in one direction. Yep. So it had this really interesting vector movement system where, or this momentum-based movement system where you might be moving, you know, so many inches in one direction and so many inches in another direction. And it worked beautifully, yep. but it involved a, a real really interesting level of forward planning because you, you had to think you could easily and, and often you would fly your off ships the off the board completely because <laughs> you I, I forgot that I was also turning mm-hmm. at that point yep. um, so it you know or, or that you had momentum carried from you know the previous turns and that was the thing if you apply thrust one turn you don't slow down. No. If you apply thrust the next turn, Speed up. all you do is get faster. Yeah. So you want to slow down, you actually have to slow down. So it was very easy to think, I, I really want to get in close. Fast, 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 and, and suddenly off the board. Suddenly you, you don't have the thrust required to slow your ship down before it disappears off the other side. I love that game. It, I, re- I remember I remember this. I played it at yeah. a friend's place uh, many, many years ago. And I love the fact that it, it felt like... And again, it's never going to feel like space combat because there's no three dimensions. No, no, no. It's still on a two-dimensional board. But I love the idea that yeah, you could be flying it and you could literally just turn your ship 90 degrees and, and continue going be, the same direction. Yeah. But you could orient your weapons and... Yeah. And that just, was the thing. that The weapons all had their different arcs of fire. And, and it felt like space. Yeah. Which I, a lot of space games don't simulate well. Because it does require a bit more bookkeeping. Mm. It does require a lot more... Spatial awareness, yeah, um, which makes the game less accessible. Which, which, the reality is these days, with it's all about money. Yeah, it? you've got to get more people playing. But yeah, I, I really love that about that. Yeah, that you could you could just turn on a dime, or you could turn to face the other direction. On it was yeah, 
Awesome, yeah. yeah. And, and it had, you know, the rules were really simple, but it had some fun little tweaks to it. There were some fun little systems, you know, we, you had onboard systems and some of them were quite fun. You had a few variations to weapons and, and other things that were, again, a lot of fun. Um, but but ultimately, that momentum system was just phenomenal. I, I, I it's funny how one, one thing, one mechanic, mm. can turn a game from it's a good game mm. to... This is just a phenomenal game. Yeah, well, you know, and as you said, most most spaceship combat games are like in the Age of Sail. You know, yeah. they're they're very Star Wars themed yeah, space are. battles. You know, where where you know they they move like fighter jets. There's no yeah. without the three dimensions. You know that. Um, whereas this really, as you said, felt like you were you, you had to plan and plot a lot yeah. more. You had to be aware. It, it made you think about that. A lot more, you know, about that that idea of momentum and thrust and, and counter thrust and so forth. I, I, um, yeah, I love that game. It was, yeah. and I, as I, I think I said last episode, I used, to, I, we made it. We, we, my friends and I, we all made our own fleets. So I remember yeah. one of my friends used car fuses oh, really uh, awesome. to make his fleet, yep. and I used um, diodes and other bits and pieces pulled from a old motherboard yep. um, to make all my ships. And so they were all, you know, they and they looked, yeah, probably now they look funky and, and stupid, but in the at, at the day we thought matter. they looked phenomenal. You Doesn't know, you spray them and paint them, and yeah. you could never tell. But, um, but yeah, oh, wow, we had a lot of fun with that game. Yeah. yeah. Full thrust, brilliant game. You can get the, you get the rules online. It's a bit old. And, it, and it, if you play it now, I'm sure it'll feel its age, but it was a brilliant game. Yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. Mm. Maybe put it, we'll put it on the list of things to do. That's I've, growing. I've got it all there. I've got all the bits and pieces. Growing yeah. our list of stuff. I know. Yeah, we struggle to, get to back find to the table. I know. Mm. All right. Number two. number two. Um, so number two is a game. Well, the only game produced by Corvus Belli. Mm. If I pronounce that they, right, they produce a few other miniatures lines, though. I think. Do they? I, th- I think they. I've do, never actually. I... I've never had the the course to actually yeah. look. Um, so that probably gives it away. That's it's Infinity. Now, I was introduced to this game, um, the local club. I joined the local club about mm. four years ago, and I was introduced by one of the members there yeah. when the Operation Ice Storm box came out, which was their new box for their version three of the rules mm. came out and I fell in love. Oh, it It's just a great game overall. Yeah. The only thing I don't like is there's no pre-measuring and that's just a little quirk of mine. Um, so, so for you, those people who are not quite sure what you might mean by that, explain. So pre-measuring, um, pre-measuring is, is the principle that in – so once you're off a board and you're on a table, everything's done with a tape measure yep. or a ruler of, of some sort in inches, centimetres or a unit, whatever it may be. Yeah, it? usually inches, which is kind of backward of us. Yeah. I don't know why, but because – we struggle to let go of inches. It's it's weird. Yeah. Um, it's really weird. But anyway, so in inches. So pre-measuring is the ability to measure at any time mm. and measure it any distance you want to measure on the board. Yeah. In Infinity, you're not allowed to do that. You have to declare what you're going to do with your models mm. and where they're going to go or who they're going to shoot, and then you measure your distances. Mm. So it means that you may not be at the right optimal distance or you may be that little bit short or... Mm. So it adds that bit of uncertainty. I'm not a fan of it because it, what it does is it, or it can, it can take away a bit from the game. Mm. It means people with better spatial awareness, which is not really a skill you learn. Mm. It's more intuition a lot of the time, end up being better at the game. That said, in Infinity, it's not that pronounced. 
Yeah. Um, and most people will let you do a bit of pre-measuring because we're, we're in to have fun most of the time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, that said, the rest of the rules vastly overshadow it. Mm. Oh, I, for sure. I, yeah. I, I love this game. It's the probably the biggest part I love is even though it's so that the activation order is I do my turn, move all my models in my force, mm. my opponent does his turn. In my opponent's turn, my models can still shoot. Mm-hmm. So, like the idea in real life, if if an enemy moves across your line of fire, you'll shoot at it. Yeah. Same thing happens in Infinity. So, throughout the entire game, you're never out really of- out of the game. You're always in it. You're always involved, which I really love about the game. The rules start off very simple if mm. you want to, with just moving and shooting, um, and then it adds a whole swath of skills. It's a science fiction setting, so there's hackers. Well, the tech and the, yeah. the skills and the... It's a it's a story based game. It is, yeah. The missions, you know, yep. especially when you get into the ITS stuff, are just you know yep. objective based. It's not just go out there and kill stuff. The the skills there's a vast quantity, or there's a, a reasonable quantity of skills that mm. all mesh together to make the models feel like they're doing realistic things. Yeah. Um, so it's not just a static model that just sort of sits here and shoots at someone. You can, you know, you move across, you can shoot while you're moving, you can dodge out of the way, you can, you know, lean out of a window and shoot a guy below the window. Yeah. Um, there's a realistic or a, a balancing line of sight system. So, every model is is a specific size despite yeah. what the miniature may be. Yeah. Which really balances out the game. Um, it means that even if they sculpt the guy crouching and mm. or, 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 you know, jumping, the model's still a certain size, which yeah. means that Corvus can make... Really dynamic poses. And do. Um, and do. And they make some really beautiful models. Yeah. Which are a pain in the ass to assemble. But they're beautiful <laughs> models. They are beautiful models. Um, but they're still, the game is still balanced. Yeah. So it's based on a D20 system. So the dice roll of D20, which uh, they're a bit swingy, but you live with that. And yeah, it's, it's a great rule set. So you build your force. You have a certain number of orders. Mm. Um, See, this is when you're going with the orders. Is, you know, you got you got your force. You might have you know eight nine guys in your force. You get eight nine orders. Yep. But you can you don't have to say okay, I've got to move each one. Yeah. You know, I can only use one order on this guy and one order on. No. You, know, you could spend all those orders on, on one, one guy, guy. You know, which is which is. It seems a bit unrealistic, and it lends to the idea that you just have one really, really good unit. Mm. Um, and the thing that I think Giles and I have found, I've been playing for probably three years now. Giles got into it probably, uh, probably six months ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Things die really easily. Yeah. Um, no model is immune to fire. Yeah. Um, there's a very narrow band of how much damage weapons do, um, and there's a relatively narrow, narrow band of how much armor people carry. Mm. Uh, so even the heaviest unit will die to a basic rifle if you roll badly so yeah. you still there's still that limitation so and it's it's a it's an interesting system and it, and it leads to interesting list building yeah um which i enjoy the challenge of i, I enjoy list writing um it's weird i know but i enjoy it <laughs> um so but that said it is a more complicated game Oh, for sure. I think um, the basics of the game are relatively simple. You go read yeah. through the, the basics of the game. And then yeah. actually we should say that the rules are available to download. Yep. You can go and read them now. Yep. And you should because they're awesome. That's Corvus, um, Infinity by Corvus Bell. Like, go look it up. Um, but the, the 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 basic rules are relatively simple. Yes. It's when you've got – suddenly you've got 
you know, every weapon is slightly different at slightly different yep. ranges. You've got technology, all these various technologies, yep. which then break the rules in in special and specific interact ways. And they interact with one another in different ways. You've got this high range of skills and abilities that you can that you can do Perform. and that allow you to do things and interact with the terrain or interact with other models or or whatever it might be in different ways. That that adds a whole layer of, of complexity yeah. and, and interactions to the oh, game. Yeah. But that's also the a part of the appeal as well. I think it is. You know, you, you, we're not talking about a huge army. We're no. talking about a small number of figures. The average, I think, is somewhere between 10 and 20 models yeah. um, aside. And usually it sits at around between 10 and 12. Yeah. It's about the average size force um, for your average size game, which mm. is about 300 points. It's not a huge number of models on the board. But it's just having that knowledge of everything that they can do and when they can do it yeah. um, and how they can interact with each other makes it so complex. Mm. So it can be a bit daunting to get into. Also, because like any rule set, they can't cover every situation. So often you'll come up with a situation that's not clear in the rules. Mm. Um, and with so many different skills and everything, there's going to be a few of them. It can be one of those games that can be a bit harder to get into. Yeah. That said, in terms of cost, it's cheap. Rules are free to download, and you only need ten models. Yeah, that's well, right, and they do fantastic starter sets. They did they the Ice Storm. They've got the Red Veil yep. um, starter sets. They're fantastic. Now, the other, I guess, it, the one thing I would say, I guess that that I think would be a downside coming into it would also be the requirement, and you must. This is an absolute must. You must have terrain on the board. You must have oh, plenty yeah. of terrain on the board. Line of sight, cover. Those are things that make or break the game. They are. I think, but one good thing that Corvus has done, well, there's always the fallback, boxes, plates, bowls, cups, sauces, everything like that, you know, you can build your table out of. And and Infinity requires, so there's two types of tables. There's what's called a European table, Mm. they say, which is a a table with limited cover. And there's an American table, which is a table with lots of cover. Mm. Generally, the the happy ground is somewhere in the between, maybe slightly towards the American table. Mm. I've, I've found, well, this is in Australia anyway, where we're recording. Yeah, that's how I like to play. So, a bit too. more cover means that um, people with big guns like sniper rifles and heavy machine guns don't dominate the game, which make it a little bit boring, mm. I've found. Um, but you need a lot of terrain. Now, to start off with, it means that you can you just pull whatever you can out of the kitchen cupboards and the and that's the, right and yeah. the and cover the cupboards. The yeah, and just cover the table to to block those lines of fire. If you're a bit like me, who wants really good terrain and is a bit obsessed with it, it can get a bit expensive. <laughs> I think, but the, you know, the, the other side of it too, Corvus Bellow do, like, the they do the cardboard sets, thing, which are awesome. And they're really cheap and they're really good quality. So, Corvus Bellow produce a line of basically just cardboard foldable buildings um, and they're designed perfectly actually to fit. Um, so, Corvus Bellow put out box sets, starter box sets mm. and boxes of, of models. Those boxes fit inside the cardboard terrain to mm. make them more sturdy. So that they're actually solid, pretty much. So they've designed it really well. That's um, clever design, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think we've worked out. So we've actually got a Kickstarter coming. Oh, sorry, not Kickstarter. A slow grow at our club mm. for Infinity, and one of the me- one of our club members has just bought a whole heap of that cardboard terrain. And yep. you need between about three or four sets to make a full table with okay, enough yep. stuff. The sets are twenty dollars each or twenty five dollars each. I don't even think they're that much. Are they? The twelve? I, I think they're. I think they're twelve dollars. Yeah, I think. Which and, and that's uh, Australian dollars. They're, they're they're cheap. Yeah. Yeah. So it puts a full table well within or well, within reach of a lot of people. Mm. I'm not going to assume that everyone's got heaps of money to spend. And you know, some people sixty dollars will be a lot of money. But I think um, I think it's 
I think it'd be fair to say, though, that because you're not spending a, a vast amount, you know, you don't need to spend a vast amount on your force, you can yeah. you can spend a little bit more on your thrive. Yeah. And those cardboard ones, I, I they had the he had the full table set up the other night at our club night, mm. and it looked really good. Yeah. He had the what well, the Navajo set, yeah, which is thirteen dollars. Thirteen dollars Australian. Australian. Mm, Australian. Australian. Mate. Had to throw it in there, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And it looked really, really good on the table. Yeah. Um, and it, it was enough to... I think he has four sets. Yeah. And it was enough to cover and provide a good amount of cover. So, they're a really good way to get into it. So, yeah, that's my that's my number two, Infinity. Love it to death. Yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a real big um, Infinity fan as well. And, and, you know, I think... You know, we well we say that you know we're biased as well. We're we're worth yeah. in regard to the Infinity role playing game, um, which has been published by Modiphius in partnership with Corvus Ballet. Yeah. Um, but look, it is a phenomenal game. I love the setting. You know, um, absolutely love the setting. There's Visual of- style is yeah. really cool. Um, very manga, you know, anime style um, technology. You know, reminds me a lot of Appleseed and Pat Labore yeah, and all of those, those awesome. sort of animes. Um, and there's a wide range of factions and forces and miniature sculpts and yeah. there's there's a huge amount out there. And they're sculpting, you know, Corvus Bell, I have a mandate of, I think it's four releases every month at least. Yeah. Which means that you're constantly getting new models. Mm. Again, you won't get every single model, but you're constantly getting new models. Um, mm. The only downside with the models is they're all metal. Mm. Which does make it a bit hard to model with, but, yeah. but it's something you you learn and. But they're, they're, and as we already mentioned, they are beautifully sculpted. They are very very beautifully sculpted. Mm. So That's well worth checking out. Definitely, um, and yeah, rules are free to download, um, and there's a free online army builder as well, yeah. which is on their website Actually, as well. That is really good. So again, easily accessible in terms of having a look at the rules, yeah. um, and if you want to just proxy some models and throw some models on the table and have a go at their game, well worth it. Yeah. Before you buy. Easy to do as well. Yeah. And actually, with the Army Builder, what I like is all the skills and things like that are hyperlinked, so they go straight to the wiki, which yep. tells you what the rule is. So, yep, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the other thing. There's a Wikipedia, so which they publish and they update. It's not yeah. a not a, a um, fan-based fan one. Yeah. And, yeah, they're all hyperlinked so that you can easily find out what models do. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really good support. Well done. Um, all right. So that's your number two. That's, that's my Infinity. number two. And, um, yeah, brilliant game. Uh, my number two is DBA, Debellus Antiquitatus, and also um, a, a shout-out to Hordes of the Things, both um, published by the same company, which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, um, but both fantastic, fantastic games. So what I what I really liked about um, DBA um, is by... Uh, War Games Research Group, that's what it is, WRG. Um, what, I, what I really liked about both these games is that they are historical to start with. I, yep. I really love um, history and, and love historical games. What I, I really love the, the, the visual style of DBM. Yep. D, DBM's DBR's big brother. Yep. And it was a phenomenal looking game, playing 15 mil, with 15 mil miniatures. Yep. Um, a table of Seleucid per, uh, um, Seleucids or something like that with yep. their, with their bajillion pikemen yep. just look unbelievable. Um, so I absolutely love the visual style. Um, 15 mil is my favorite scale. So DBA, um, is the little brother of DBM. Same, yep. basically the same rule set, bit quicker playing, a bit simpler. Um, again, the maneuvering is really important in it. In fact, really in DBA, I think that 
that just the deployment of your army, yes. if, if you don't get that right, you're done. You know, yep. you need to deploy correctly. So that's really important, um, but, but a really enjoyable game. You, you've got your, your, all your elements do different things. It's all a modified by system. You roll your dice when you're attacking and, and you know, if you, you get more than your opponent, you, they recoil. If you double yep. them, they die and so forth. So, there are all lots of little interactions around how different things could work. You could have flanking manoeuvres, and, and the manoeuvres were all very important. You could have cavalry actually off the board, arriving yep. on the board later. Um, there are lots of little things. It was all built around having 12 elements in your army, so 12 yep. bases um, of figures. Um, each base might have between two and four miniatures yep. on them, or two and five miniatures on them. Um, but, yeah... Just a, a really simple, really enjoyable game, played in about 30 minutes to yep. 40 minutes. Um, historical game, loved it. Um, DBA, yeah, really, really well worth looking at. I think you can get the rules online for free. Okay. Um, they're an older set of rules and they feel a little bit older. Yep. Um, but, yeah, really enjoyable set of set of rules. And, and, and Hordes of the Things was just DBA but with fantasy elements, yep. so you had flying units and magic yep. and other stuff. You could ensorcel units, which would turn them into frogs, I think, and stuff like that. It was, awesome. it, it was a lot of fun, yeah. yeah. So really, really enjoyable set of rules. Yep. Yeah, yeah, highly enjoyable. Fantastic. Mm. And easily accessible too in the 15 very, mil. Very easily accessible, really cheap. You know, like um, playing in 15 mil, you could buy an army very, very cheaply. Um, uh, Quick that, to paint. Quick, relatively. relatively quick to paint, yeah, yeah. which was great, and and they look really nice on the table, yeah. you know. And with a with a small army and with a small board, it was played on a two foot by two foot board. You could have some really nice set up terrain, and yep. um, as I said, it was really quick playing, so you could play smash out a couple of games in a night, which was yep. great. Um, but yeah, really highly enjoyable. The only the only downside that there are about four million army lists. Oh really? That, that, and there were four army books that came out covering oh, different okay. periods. Yep. Um, so the only downside of it is that there were certain armies that were just monsters. Yep. And and it's fair enough historically. You know, it's a historical they game. They were. Yeah. And there are other armies that were just useless. Yeah. So if you had an army that was predominantly all sort of hordes. Um, or warband, and they, you know, they're hard to control, and yep. they just sort of run off on their own and break formation. And you were fighting an army of blades. Yep. You would just get monstered every time. Yep. There was no, it was very little you could do about it. But it was a lot of fun watching your warband sort of roll toward <laughs> the enemy, and but, then just bounce off, and then and then die horribly in the process. But very historically accurate, I might add. Um, no, it was it was a lot of fun. I, so it comes down more to the idea that this kind of game not really the thing where you want to be competitive playing rolling up to a tournament and it's more the the enjoyable war game or miniatures game where you and your friend or your your gaming partner know what you're going to bring you have a bit of chat about it organize some fun games i'm going to bring this what are you going to bring and work out so that you both enjoy the game or you both have an expectation of what you're going to get out of it for sure if you want to bring a, a horde and he wants to bring the blades and you both agree and you just want to watch the, the horde die horribly, well, that's <laughs> fine because you're yeah. both on the same page. Yeah. And I think, you know, look, having said that, you know, there were so many army lists. Like it was, you know, there were army lists for, you know, medieval Indonesian armies and it was just... Oh, really? It awesome. Covered, it covered a huge, um, yep. you know, period, 
from you know the the early um, biblical period, you know, three thousand BC, your early Assyrians and so forth, all the way through to your late medieval. And if there was an army that that waged war anywhere in the world, we're talking, you know, the Olmecs or, or yeah. the Aztecs or whatever, um, all the way through to your you know medieval European armies that you would traditionally think of. If there was an army that waged war anywhere in the world, you could play it with this. That's awesome. It was phenomenal. So, um, you know, and, and to be honest, most of them were reasonably well balanced. Yeah. You know, if you played them well, and, and I imagine they'd be if you're if you're going to play, you know, medieval mm. Chinese against you know the Olmecs or the Aztecs, it's going to be a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as long as you similar areas and yeah and. That would balance things out as well, yeah. again, and, too, and in time periods. Plus, everything really was boiled down to, you know, you had, you know, your, your different troop types, like blade, light horse, you know, medium yep. horse, you know, all that sort of stuff. So everything was boiled down to a, quite a simple um, background in that regard yep. uh, in terms of how the troop functions. So, yeah, it was just it's just a highly enjoyable game. I'm pretty sure you can get the rules online. Yep. Um, Debellus Antiquitatis or DBA. Um, well worth going to check out. Awesome. Mm. Fantastic. All right, we're up to our number one. Number one. Favourite game, current, Dystopian Wars. It has to be. <laughs> my love, my passion. Mm-hmm. Don't tell my wife that. You've got... She's um, going to listen to this anyway, probably. <laughs> shelves and shelves of it. I have shelves and shelves of it. At last count, I have one, uh, about six or seven fact, different factions. Mm. Um, the average point size is a thousand point game. My biggest faction is sixteen thousand points. Yeah. So. And you got rid of your biggest faction. I, got, I had British, which were 24,000 points, and yeah. I got rid of them. So I, I have quite a few dystopian wars models. Um. So yeah, as I mentioned in one of the previous ones, I got introduced to this by another friend of mine, and just fell in love with it. It was my first introduction to a game that was an alternating activation game. Mm. So, um, you have a number of units in your force. You would activate one unit, move with it, shoot with it, and then your opponent would activate one of his units and move with it and shoot with it. Mm. And I fell in love with the mechanic because it just turned a game from, well, in my turn, I'm immune. Mm. I can move forward and shoot everything and it's fine to... You've really got to think about what you do and how you do it and when you do it because you can move that ship forward right in front of the enemy fleet and get a great shot and hit one ship. All of a sudden, it's vulnerable to the entire enemy fleet, whatever may be the worst thing, and you'll get blown out of the water. Yeah. That was really what drew me to it. Mm. And as I got more and more into it, it and this is before um, my involvement with, with any kind of balancing or, or rules writing, the rules were really robust. Mm. The rule book is a little confusing at times. There's, It's a bit hard to sort through at times, unfortunately. Um, and I've been through two iterations, so through three iterations. So I was there mm. in, in version one, version mm. 1.5, and, and and version two, which is mm. what we're at now. Um, two is clearly the, definitely the, the, the nice balance. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. Version, yeah. Two is significantly better. So it was even when in version one and version 1.5, it still was a fairly balanced game. The mm. forces felt balanced. You could build some really interesting lists. The list building was... Restricted, so you couldn't take heaps and heaps of one model. Mm. You had to take, you know, big ships, medium ships, and small ships. Mm. The setting, which is a steampunk Victorian era, yeah. So a, a bit of an alternate, alternate history, 1870s. Yeah, yeah, and 
it's just a the the initial fluff that was in the original books was just great had a really cool feel um a good background story and it meant that you could fulfill all those fantasies of those 19 20s, 30s yeah. comics of these fantastical flying machines and jetpacks and right. and giant walking machines and robots and and they're all here in it and it's- yeah you know and that's the thing too I think is that you've got uh, it, there are not many games out there that manage to incorporate the three core theaters of war you've got an it's yeah. predominantly a naval game yep. But your aerial forces are also very important, and you've also got the ability to play land games um, or armored games on, on you know, with yep. tanks on land. You can combine all three. Yep. Um, and there are not many games where that works. In this, it works. Yep. And they all use the same rule set. So mm. the same rules aren't, aren't they, no rules are changed. Um, it's just you take different models. Um, and it, it, it's a rule set that works very, very well. Um, the core dice mechanic is the exploding dice. So you roll; it's a d6, and if you roll, there's a two hit number, mm, usually, usually a four usually, plus. Usually four plus, yeah. But if you roll a six, that counts as two successes for whatever you're rolling for, and you get to roll another dice. Yeah, and that continues on. I love that because it just it, what, it, what it means is that that. You never, you never feel. You can certainly feel like you know. Okay, you know, I'm done. But you, you know, you've got even the smallest chance with the with the the the, the smallest oh. little frigate or corvette. You know, who's got no other option but to shoot this hulking leviathan in front of it. There's always the chance that you're going to roll a chain of sixes and and, and blow it out of the water. Yeah. There's that I, chance. I mean, and it's one one criticism that's often levelled at at, um, at these games, and, and I know um, Dreadball, for example, is exploding sixes mechanic as well. Dreadball's by Mantic Games. That that um, because of that system, that they're lucky, as if it's some sort of criticism. The fact of the matter is that in Dystopian Wars is one of those bucket of dice games. Yep. So you're picking up a handful of dice. The fact of the matter is that because you're doing that, you are evening the odds. You are, Always. you are, if you were rolling a small number of dice, then you could crit- criticize game. it as a, as a lucky well, game. As, and, and again, so my love of this game started before I wrote rules and, mm. and was involved in balancing and stat writing and all that kind of stuff for this. So I've loved this game for a long time. But getting involved with the stat writing, getting involved with the statistics of it, mm. the statistics average out. And whenever I balance a unit, it's all about averages and statistics. Yeah. I'm, it's You roll so many dice, it will average out. You'll have a run of good luck where you'll have one or two dice rolls with lots and lots of sixes, and it's, mm. it's great. You might do some awesome damage to something, and then you'll have a run where you roll a heap of ones. Yeah. It will all average out. And D6s are also... Uh, the advantage of D6s, too, is that they're almost that perfect dice that mm. they always average out. Yeah. D20s are so swingy. Mm. D4s well, They feel swing. it too because there are so many ranges of, you know, yeah. of, of results. Yeah. And generally D20 games, you don't roll that many dice. Mm. But you're rolling so many dice in this game, it will average out. Always, um, yeah. And like Giles said, you've always got that chance. Mm. Nothing is ever finished. Yeah, nothing feels like it's completely no, and we've all put Giles and I have played many, many games and there's always been that lucky dice roll where you go, oh no, that shouldn't have happened. Or yeah. when you've got the sure thing and you, you definitely got to blow that ship out of the water and you just roll a whole heap of once. But 
it's those those moments I think that make that make a game enjoyable. They do, you know, because it's those moments that you talk about afterwards. Yeah, you know, and, uh, those are the defining moments of, of the game, and that, that's that's what the experience is all about. Oh yeah, so yeah, the, the rule set's really nice, um, and and so the theme's really beautiful. Mm. You know, the idea of this steampunk with these fantastical flying machines and yeah, robots and everything, great airships and yeah. robots, your submarines like the yep. Nautilus and your great steam battleships, yeah. Um, The rule set's robust Mm. and I think balanced um, to a a, a very fairly balanced... As well as a rule set can be balanced, I think, yeah. Um, It's not perfect, but no rule set is. Mm. Um, The the stats are constantly being balanced. So Mm. models, and this is coming from our own experience, Mm. they're constantly under review. So feedback from players, feedback from playtesters... Constantly looking at balancing models and making the game or the actual models and lists more balanced, mm. um, which I think is a good thing too. Because as long as you're taking feedback, it's a it's a good company. I think that's um, the, the other thing to note. The rules are available for free, like all Spartans Games online um, from their website SpartanGames.co.uk, and um, all the stats they're, they're living stats, so that they're online, they're available to yep. download. Um, and at one the, site, and when they're updated, everyone knows, yeah. and and you get the new updated stats. You can just download the PDF, and mm-hmm. they're there, and it means that we're not set by a book. Yeah. Um, some people would like a book, but the, I think there's an advantage to not having a book that you, yeah you can constantly update. And I think you know, the, the 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 disadvantage with a book is that sometimes what happens is that you've got a new faction come out or a new model come out or something like that, and it it. it it can happen deliberately. It can happen for unforeseen reasons where that particular model is just more powerful or maybe yep. it synergizes with something that nobody saw that it would, yep. would synergize with. And it is stuck. it is more powerful. It's, it's, it's stuck, but the other models can't be upgraded to sort of compensate. Yeah. So there's always that swings and yep. the checks and balances, I think, that it, that's going on with um, with. With the state yeah, wars, so yeah. which is nice, and then the other part that I love about it is the models. Yeah, phenomenal. They so their models are um, resin. So well, they're designed on CAD, from mm. my understanding, um, and then they're three D printed masters, mm. which means they get really, really crisp lines. Yeah, which in say a, a, a humanoid figure you may not want, mm. um, but in a battleship or a robot. Is awesome. You get these fantastically detailed models with windows and doors mm. and and decking, decking and and, mm. and portholes and everything. That's just wonderful. There's a massive range of them, which can seem a bit daunting to start off with because there is a huge range of models. This is a relatively easy game to get into because you got your battle group boxes, which, which are, basically you know your naval battle group, yeah, your, your aerial battle group, or whatever. Yeah. That's your core. And then build off that with with other boxes. So, but they're just phenomenal. I mean, I'm I have um, Chinese is one of my main factions, and mm. both Giles and I love oh, the, the Chinese the aesthetic. Chinese models are just fun- they are just beautiful. So every every major faction has its own design aesthetic, mm. um, and then there's a lot of sub factions that will either model off the main faction that they're closely associated with as a as a, a, a guide or they'll be their own faction and mm. have their own design aesthetic and they they're just some beautiful models so the Chinese ones look like um, they've got these models that look like giant 
floating cities and yeah. their like ships. Pieces of the Forbidden City have yeah. been, you know, lifted up. Yeah, it's just, just phenomenal. Their ships just look like wall, floating walls. There's big slabs of like yeah, old junks Chinese and, junks yeah. that just slab sided. Um, the Italians, uh, they're sleek, they're slim, they're really fast, and they have that real feel of being. Their models are really, really fine. Mm. And the reason they can do that is because they're 3D printed and then yeah. cast. Um, Americans have their steam paddles and, yeah, and the paddle wheels, paddle wheels, uh, and the, the Covenant of Antarctic, which is the fleet that um, that I've got most of, are very sort of they're the most science fiction looking yeah. of the of the forces, and they've got all the curved panels and the very yep. organic structures almost and um, UFO like yeah. you know models and things like that. And there's, a, there's such a big range. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really enjoyable. The only thing that people say is that one the movement is done with templates so it can take a while to play mm. um, and that becomes better as you become more proficient in the game and it uses a lot of tokens to represent status effects and damage and criticals which I love the game and I, I enjoy a yeah. longer game yeah um, so but the thing, I think the thing is that they're right. That that is that is true. It is a longer game. Yep. It is a detailed game, and so there's a lots there's lots of nuance. You know, there, there's ammunition explosions, or there's, you know, your your um, engines get fried, and the, the model can't move as much, or yeah. can't turn, or you know, there's all these different effects and generators and special rules and 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 so forth. But the, they, they coalesce into a whole that's really detailed, really yeah. immersive game experience. Yeah. It's very strategic, very tactical, and, yep. and highly enjoyable. Um, but the price for that level of, is time. of, of, of um, detail is time, yeah. Yep. So, you know, and I guess Spartan, you know, did their thing listening and, and to, to the customers that wanted the quicker game. And yep. there's fleet action now yep. um, available for those people who want a, yeah. want a quicker experience. Um, but yeah, Dystopian Wars is a phenomenal game. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Played every day. Well, yeah. <laughs> at least once a week if I could. <laughs> All right. My number one. Number one. My number one is just pure nostalgia. This is a love hate relationship, as often games from this particular company are. Yep. It's Warhammer Fantasy Battles, um, published by Games Workshop. Um, it's been reimagined now as Age of Sigma. I won't go into that. Um, but yeah, I, I, back in the day, had a rather sizable Empire army, um, you know, with my Hellraiser cannons and great cannons, and yep. Hellraiser volley guns, great cannons, and um, great swords, wielding yep. Middenheimers, and, and well, I think that's right. <laughs> it's going back away now. But yeah, you know, it was, I, I, I just remember being for a couple of years immersed in this this world you know oh, reading the novels it was painting building the forces you know oh, oh I'm, I'm with you man I, I have fond memories of mm. fantasy um I the the world was fantastic the 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 universe built up around it the novels um the models are awesome they were fantastic um, yeah the dwarf magazines were so detailed yeah, and, and beautiful yep. painting oh every i i had a significantly large collection of white dwarf magazines <laughs> never missed one um yeah fantasies very fun memories as well yeah 
I guess you know, and even even um, ending up with a with a whole collection of goblin spearmen in you know buried in your hand because the points of this yeah, yeah, so yeah. sharp, you, you know. Oh. You go to reach, grab them off the table, and suddenly you're stabbed, and you ah, oh, it's okay, it's fine. You're lifting up four of them because they're yeah. all pinned into your hand. But the you know it was it was you know. It, Again, this is nostalgia speaking. I can't, you know, I can't really even remember the rules. I, well, I played 8th edition mm. um, when I got back into my, my recent stint, uh, which started about, uh, sorry, trying to think now, some um, six years ago. Mm. I got in back into Warhammer Fantasy, and that was 8th edition, and, mm. and it was still a good game. Yeah. I, I felt that mainly because it still scratched that itch for me of big blocks of infantry. Yeah, yeah. Loved yeah. it. I had a, I had a slightly large... Lizard Men Army that my wife didn't know was coming one day and proved a bit of an <laughs> awkward conversation. Yeah. But that was quite large and I had a Dwarf Army as well and the rules were still robust and, and balanced, I felt. Yeah. The Fantasy was one of those games that just always seemed to be fairly well balanced. There were still the more powerful factions and that. But it and it went through phases, yeah. yeah. The, the phase when magic was really powerful and yeah. you had magic cards and the magic system and then you had, you know, and your purple wizards and things and then you had your or amethyst. Then you had your heroes that yep. were super powerful yeah, and, yeah. and so on. And but you know, it was it was a great game. It was a great game yep. experience. And and for me, you know, this really was a formative game, you know, for me growing up, you know, it was introduced to me by one of my teachers. Um, Steve O'Connor, if you're listening, g'day. Um, you, you're to blame for my financial situation, <laughs> current and. He'll be sending you a bill shortly. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was a, a phenomenal game, and, and as much you know, I think I think um, Games Workshop did much to create the the miniatures games hobby and the miniatures games industry. Um, you know, they they were the giant for so long. Oh yeah, very much. And, and I think if you look at every most war gamers our age, older, mm. and you know, even slightly younger than us, um, you we pretty much a lot of us started out with Games Workshop yeah. and and loved it. We it was great. Um, yeah. What's happened recently? Uh, everyone has their own reasons. Mm. Um, mine was mainly financial. Was yeah. a big one for me, and also the rule set didn't appeal to me because I started getting into dystopian wars where I love that alternating activation which yeah. they didn't present with. So, yeah, I, Games Workshop were the founder for or the starter for a lot of this and, and also pushed a lot of mainstream gaming. Yeah. I think they've they've done a lot to grow the industry and grow the, the normalcy of wargaming. Yeah. Not that it's really that normal to speak about now, but... No, it's perfectly normal. Oh, I think it is. About. I think it is. My <laughs> children are going to be indoctrinated in it, and that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree. I think Warhammer Fantasy is also, or yeah, was, it, was an awesome game, and there's still rules around, and you can still play Warhammer Fantasy if you want to. Yeah, there's yeah. a um, a community-run Ninth Age, okay. I think, yeah. that you can get a rule set. Um, that they've done, the community's um, trying to, and again, actively balancing and and working towards making fantastic. Mm. Um, so it's still out there. You still get models for it. Unfortunately, Games Workshop aren't producing the square bases and everything anymore, so it's getting harder and harder. Mm. But that said, there's numerous other fantasy model producers Wait, Mantic, out there. And Mantic, yeah, Mantic is, is one. Example, yeah. yeah, that as it gets more and more scarce, I'm sure the people who are producing Ninth Age and people who play fantasy will be just more than happy to play. Mm. So no, just as I said, I you know I, I I couldn't even remember the rules, but I just 
for me, it was such a formative game experience. You know, that game world at the time, you know, meant, meant a lot to, um, to you know, it was so immersive for me. Yep. Warhammer Quest and the novels, the role-playing game we yep. played, the second edition role-playing game, which was phenomenal. Um, you know, there was so it was just such a fantastic setting. Everything the Games Workshop did for those that period of years oh. was just absolutely gold. Amazing. Um, I, I can't even remember why really we got out of it. it was, I think, you know, I moved into historical gaming. Yep. Um, they changed a few things, and, and a lot of the stuff that I had was was sort of, I couldn't off be used or yeah. whatever else. We just sort of fell out of it for whatever yep. reason. But, um, yeah, looking back, it was it was a really formative game experience. So that's why it, it has to be my nostalgic number one. Number yeah. one. Awesome. All right. Well, this was a little bit longer than I yeah, intended. I'm, I'm glad that we didn't go to 10. I was originally no. going to go to 10. We spent a bit of time talking about each game. But in any case, hopefully you found that in interesting um, walk through the games that we are passionate about and we like. And then maybe there might be one in the future where we swap the roles. And you talk about your nostalgia Yeah, I'll talk about, about my nostalgia ones yeah. and Giles can talk about his current current ones. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, well, until next time, um, I'm Giles Pritchard. And I'm Quinton Sun. You've been listening to On Minis Games, and you can, if you've got any questions or criticisms or suggestions or anything else, you can contact us at onminisgames at gmail.com. You've been listening to On Minis Games. On Minis Games is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Oh.